church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I'm pleased that you're listening to this podcast today. A chance meeting in a grocery store gave me the theme for this podcast. Uh, Interestingly, today the Supreme Court handed down its decision on the nation's abortion laws. And uh, a few days ago, I happened to be talking to a woman who I consider to be a friend about this uh, uh, pending decision that the Supreme Court was going to make. And I happened to quote a verse from Scripture. And um, she immediately told me, well, look, uh, the Bible is just written by a bunch of men, a bunch of misogynist men. What do they know about anything? And that inspired me to think about this subject. And what I have began to understand, and really not, I shouldn't have been, I really should not have been surprised. Not long ago, Gallup poll reported that based on their surveys that that uh, fewer than one in four Americans now believe that the Bible is the actual word of God and is to be taken literally word for word. Now, the good news is Americans in all age groups continue to view the Bible, interestingly, as a holy document. However, most of these people downplay God's direct, God's direct role in it. Uh, so, if man, not God, wrote the Bible, then uh, uh, much in the Bible can be questioned. Our country may already be seeing this uh, in this growing public acceptance of many behaviors that previously were frowned on from the Christian perspective, ranging from gay marriages to premarital sex to abortion uh, that we've been talking about here in just these few minutes, and uh, transgenderism. So on this podcast, I'd like to talk about this trend and the Word of God. And let me just say uh, from the get-go here that, uh, that I'm going to be a assuming that God does exist, that God's real and he does exist, and that uh, he can intervene in our lives to perform uh, miracles. And I'd also like to uh, say that much of what I say today has been influenced by Stephen B. Cowan's writings, a great commentator on this subject. You know, Christians claim that the Bible is the Word of God. All 66 books of the Protestant canon. You know, Christians believe that God worked on the minds and the lives of the authors and sometimes spoke directly to them. So 
the biblical words are God's words. Based on scriptures like 2 Timothy 3.16, which reads, all scripture is God-breathed. And then Peter put it this way in 2 Peter 1.21. They were moved by the Spirit. They spoke from God. So we get to this question, how can Christians claim that scripture is divinely inspired? Um, many Christians believe that God offers compelling awareness that the Bible is divinely inspired by means of the Holy Spirit living within them. The idea is that we read the Bible, when we read the Bible, that the Holy Spirit living within us convicts our hearts um, of the Bible's divine authority. The problem here is that if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is not living within you. However, many a person has come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior simply by reading the Bible. So the question is, has God provided more objective evidence that the Bible is divinely inspired? I think that uh, there are some major points to be made that fall into the category of objective evidence. First, the Bible was written by more than 40 individuals over a span of 2,000 years. And it exhibits a unity that uh, I can only imagine could come from divine inspiration. Otherwise, how could this be? Second, the reading of the Bible has consistently impacted readers morally and spiritually in life-changing ways. This happens over and over again. Third, the Bible has an amazing ability to survive all the attempts through history to eradicate it. They've all failed. They've all failed. Yet for many, these things alone are not convincing evidence uh, that the Bible is indeed the divinely inspired word of God. Authors like B.B. Warfield and Norman Geisler and R.C. Sproul have written extensively on the role that the authoritative testimony of Jesus, the authoritative testimony of Jesus plays in proving the Bible is divinely inspired. Now, if we look at what Jesus taught and what his disciples believed, we first have to recognize that uh, that the New Testament is and, and the Bible is widely recognized as historically reliable and that it accurately presents Christ as God incarnate and provides a full accounting for his sinless, miraculous life, crucifixion, the resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Jesus taught 
that the Old Testament is the written word of God and promised his disciples that they would write the New Testament. Now, for many, uh, this is more than enough evidence uh, to view the Bible as the inspired word of God. The New Testament is a reliable document in part because it comes from multiple authors relating the sayings and actions of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul, all writing, all recording the actions and the uh, sayings of Jesus. Now, some point out, because many of these things written in the uh, New Testament, all written shortly, uh, just not many years after the death of Jesus, uh, would be awkward or embarrassing during the uh, first century. Therefore, in a, in a special kind of way, it adds to the authenticity of the New Testament. Otherwise, why would you write something and say something that's embarrassing or awkward in that first century culture? Now, as I said earlier, Jesus taught that the scriptures were divinely inspired. He referred to the Old Testament as the law and prophets. This was the term he used uh, for the Old Testament. In uh, Matthew 5, 17, he said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The Jews viewed the Old Testament as the Word of God. And um, uh, and so did Jesus. And so did Jesus. <clears throat> he alluded to the divine origin of the Hebrew uh, scriptures on numerous occasions. I remember when he was tempted by Satan, uh, Jesus answered all three of those temptations uh, uh, by alluding to Old Testament Quotations, And he would begin by saying, as it is written. And then when he was challenged by the Pharisees, he was being challenged because his disciples were gathering grain on the Sabbath. He alluded to 1 Samuel 21, uh, 1 through 6. And then he quoted Genesis 2, 24 to settle a dispute and settle a dispute over grounds for divorce. And then he went to uh, when he went to Jerusalem. He said in Luke eight thirty one, everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man, a term that he used to refer to himself over and over again, everything that's written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Now Jesus believed that the Old Testament prophecy leading to the conclu uh, conclusion <coughs> Jesus believed that excuse me Jesus believed that he fulfilled the old testament prophecy and therefore he believed that the old testament was divinely inspired remember when he re rebuked peter 
in the garden for violently trying to prevent his arrest in Matthew 26, uh, 54. Jesus responded by asking Peter, how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Jesus is telling us the Old Testament is divinely inspired. So across a wide range of scriptures, we find Jesus attributing the Old Testament to God. Uh, He even treated the story of Sodom, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, as historically accurate and trustworthy. Uh, And similarly, the account of Noah and the flood uh, in Matthew 24, 37 through 39, uh, he substantiated. Jesus substantiated. Uh, So we have ample evidence that Jesus taught that the Old Testament was the result of divine inspiration. Now, throughout the New Testament, Jesus openly claimed to be God. The early church's worship of him just would not have occurred without his claim to be divine. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, um, these apostles knew that Jesus was divine. His virgin birth in Bethlehem was the fulfillment of Israel's uh, uh, expectation for a Messiah. In Matthew, Jesus uh, Matthew Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Luke, uh, in Luke, he's called the Son of the Most High. Now these claims are confirmed by the Mac. Uh, the miraculous conception of Jesus. Um, You know, it's interesting how this story about Jesus unfolds with all of these things that confirm his deity. You know, uh, God raising Jesus from the dead is a significant part, a significant part Of the of proof that the Bible is divinely inspired. You know the authenticity of the resurrection has been elaborately demonstrated by uh, great scholars like Gary Habermas and Michael Lacona. The historical accuracy of the resurrection by a wide range of scholars is confirmed by. I think, three major points. First, there's no historical disagreement that the tomb was not empty. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. Second, Jesus appeared to hundreds, hundreds of people 
in his post-mortem state, his post-resurrection state. And then third, which is to me very uh, convincing, all of his desi- uh, disciples believed and knew that the resurrection had occurred and were willing to give their lives for this gospel truth. You know, someone said, God's not going to raise a false prophet from the dead. And so in doing so, uh, uh, you know, the, the resurrection itself confirmed the things Jesus was teaching and talking about, including his claim to be the Son of God. Now, Jesus did not speak directly about the New Testament scripture. However, here's some things we know. Jesus chose 12 disciples and authorized them to represent him to the world. In that famous uh, scripture verse, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you see, not only did Jesus appoint his uh, apostles to speak for him, but he promised to give them supernatural powers. Uh, John fourteen twenty five reads, The Holy Spirit who the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you remind you of everything I've said to you. So here we have Jesus telling the apostles that the Holy Spirit is going to remind them of everything he has. So we have this authentic testimony from Jesus, the Son of God, that he's going to use the Holy Spirit to guide, direct, and teach. Writers of the New Testament seem to understand this. They they seem to understand that they were his spokesmen producing divinely inspired documents. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he began most of his letters by announcing that he was writing them in keeping with the authority the Lord, in his words, the Lord gave me for building up and not tearing down, 2 Corinthians 13.10. And then in 1 Corinthians 14.37, he goes on and declares that what I write is the Lord's command. And then in 1 Corinthians 2.13, it tells us the apostles speak these things not in the words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. And then we have Peter. You know, Peter in Second uh, Peter 3, 1 and 2, he's telling the readers that he's writing so that they can remember the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Uh, 
Now, John also reveals his sense of authority for writing when he declares, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know his testimony is true. John 21, 24. He also wrote in 1 John 1 and 1 through 4, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was the Father and has appeared to us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. So, in addition to these apostles, um, taking a stand that what they were doing is divinely inspired and, and guided by the Holy Spirit, which they knew was happening. It's also significant that Peter, in his writings, he refers to Paul's letters. And then we have Paul, who's quoting the Gospel of Luke uh, in, in his writings. And so, uh, you know, as they were... Uh, as they were doing this, they're basically authenticating each other's divinely inspired writings. You know, they were convinced that Jesus had promised that the spiritual guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, was uh, present. And, uh, you know, Jesus himself, Jesus knew that he was the long-awaited Messiah. He's part of the Trinity. He knew who he was, that he was the long uh, awaited Messiah, and he understood that he was ushering in a new covenant and that there would have to be documents written for the new covenant that we call the New Testament. Uh, so this is really no surprise. I mean, as this marched along, uh, more and more evidence mounted that this is the divinely inspired Word of God. Jesus taught that um, the Old Testament was in the divinely inspired Word of God, and he told his disciples that they would be writing the new documents that we call the New Testament. Now, many, many books and articles have been written about this subject, and, and I've just taken a short time this morning to talk about it. But hopefully some of your questions about whether the Bible is divinely inspired has been answered. Now, we know, uh, as I said, that Jesus... I taught the Old Testament was divinely inspired. And uh, we know that that uh, he recognized and, uh, and claimed that he is the Son of God. 
And then, because God, because God created a resurrection from the dead, it vindicates everything that Jesus claimed and taught. Otherwise, God would have never raised him from the dead. Now, because we know all of these things, we have to conclude and know that the Bible indeed is the inspired word of God. Now, as I conclude this podcast, let me leave some thoughts with you. Um, First, there's nothing that has proven the Bible to be historically or theologically um, in contradiction. In other words, there are no contradictions. I hear this from time to time. People say, well, there are contradictions in the Bible. No, there are no historical or theological contradictions in the Bible. And the Bible unveils this unbelievable, coherent, unified message unveiling this great drama of God's redemption of the falling humanity and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I hope in some way this podcast has strengthened believers' confidence in the Bible and that some obstacles have been removed for skeptics that may enable them to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that you have a great day. May God bless you, and thank you for listening to this podcast.